0: Well, good evening. Good evening to you. Hey, if you're here, um, if you're here, you can hear me. Um, if you want to start making your way to your seat, um, that'd be awesome. A lot, of, uh, a lot of fresh faces, a lot of first timers. So if you are here and you're not a first timer and you look around and see somebody who looks like they might be new, uh, make sure to say hey to them. Uh, tell them who you are. Tell them why you're, why you're glad to be here, all that good stuff. Um, If at any point during the uh, discussion, small group discussions that we'll have tonight, uh, if you want another sandwich, I think there's plenty back there. So please uh, just hop up and grab one. I think there's plenty of beer. Uh, We have more LaCroix somewhere if we're running low. We can throw you some more. Um, But do feel free to at any point uh, hop up and grab whatever you need to grab. Um, We don't have much by way of announcement. Just want to say thanks for uh, showing up, for spending your... Tuesday evening with us, knowing that uh, there's a lot of obstacles and stuff like this, it's easy to uh, leave work and just think, man, I'd I'd love to just go home, Um, but we're thankful that you're here with us. And uh, if we haven't met, I'm Daryl, I'm the assistant pastor here, uh, sort of loosely in charge of kind of what goes on within the young professional realm. Uh, We have a leadership team that does uh, a ton of heavy lifting for us, Uh, and so a couple of members of that team are here, Carl's in the back. Keeping things stocked. Uh, Caroline, who is our newest member, she's right over here. Um, so say hi to them. If you have any questions at all, they probably won't have the answer, but they'll tell you to come find me. We'll make it work. Um, but thankful that you're here with us. If you aren't um, on any of our like correspondence uh, in our uh, group me group or our email, uh, come find me afterwards and make sure get you get get you added to that. Uh, those are our best forms of communication. Um, we have social media, we have websites, things like that. But those are probably the most direct. Way to get a hold of you. So if you need any of that info, come find me. Uh, We'll make that happen kind of afterwards. So let me pray for us and we will uh, dive into some time together. Let's pray together. Uh, Jesus, we do know that it is uh, only by your goodness, uh, only by your grace, uh, that we can even approach uh, the throne room. Uh, It is only through what uh, you have accomplished for us, uh, even as we enter into. Uh, what we consider to be holy week, uh, it gives us an opportunity to turn our eyes toward the cross uh, and what you did, and also toward uh, your glorious resurrection, uh, the empty tomb, uh, knowing that uh, the seat that you occupy in heaven is not empty. Uh, and so this morning, or rather this evening, Lord, we do ask uh, that you would have mercy on us, uh, be with us, uh, give us grace in our time of need, uh, allow us to be vulnerable and open and, uh, and honest with one another and honest with our own hearts. Uh, and what you might have for us, uh, so in your name, we do pray, Amen. Uh, so as we have been meeting together, we do this meeting once a month, uh, the first Tuesday of every month is what we shoot, uh, what we shoot for. Um, we have been working through sort of a series, loosely uh, that we just call relating. So we're like relating to different things. Um, and tonight we are are going to look at what is not necessarily a new, um, like a new phenomena. Uh, it's as old as scripture, uh, but it's it's kind of been given a, uh, a name in the last maybe 10 or 15 years, uh, what psychologists have been calling the imposter syndrome, um, which is very easy to define if you just think about it, <laughs> uh, what it is. Um, but what it has done is has worked its way really into um, the fabric of culture, um, and especially in... Um, the onset of the pandemic, and then as we're kind of progressing through it, and hopefully on our way out of it, um, what has kind of fueled what we've been called what's called the Great Migration, and folks leaving jobs um, at a time when there's a huge workforce shortage, uh, what employers are finding, what folks are finding, is that people are lying about their credentials. Um, and so we want to take a look at, uh, even though I would trust that you guys haven't been doing that, uh, we do know that somewhere deep down in us, there is this fear that, um, that we're going to be found out. Uh, there is a fear somewhere down in us uh, that says, if these people really knew who I was, um, they would have nothing to do with me. Um, And uh, especially as you're coming out of college and thrust into the workforce, or whether you've been in the workforce for about 10 or 15 years or so, uh, you know that sometimes at your job, you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but they keep paying me. Um, And so that is what is called imposter syndrome. That's really what we wanna look at. Um, What does it mean uh, to live and interact and relate to the part of ourselves and the part of our hearts uh, that fears being found out? Uh, that that just is terrified of the thought um, that folks will find us out. And so um, that's where we're going to spend our time tonight. We're going to break up in some small groups and things like that and talk to the folks around us. Uh, So it should be great. Uh, But starting with a story, kind of what put this on my radar was my friend Ethan, uh, who is now a pastor. This was maybe five or six years ago at a, uh, I was a youth pastor in a former life and at a Uh, kind of a youth pastor retreat, um, Ethan was having this breakdown. He was just um, in his bunk and just losing it. And I didn't know how to handle that. (laughs) And I was like, "Uh, are you okay, buddy? Like patting his back, like he's like a drunk kid at like a frat house. I'm like, what's the matter, buddy? Um, And he is just, he's kind of sobbing. He's really, he is almost inconsolable. And once he settled down, I was like, Ethan, what's going on, bud? And he had said, I spent my whole life believing uh, that God loves good little boys and God loves good little girls. Um, And as long as I do right and as long as I act right, uh, then I'll be right. And now I have come into contact with the God of Scripture, maybe for the first time, and I don't know what to believe. Y'all, Ethan and I went to seminary together. He made it all the way through seminary. That, that's your life. He made it all the way through that without ever encountering his heart. And the first thing that happened was that he was with a group of like middle school boys. And they were like, we don't like you. And he didn't understand. Uh, he didn't understand rejection. He didn't understand what was going on. And for the first time, he felt helpless. And he said, Darrell, I just, I just don't know what to believe. My confidence has morphed into failure. Uh, I, I thought this was what God had for me, and I'm afraid that I've missed it, and I think I have everybody fooled. Um, and through a lot of work, Ethan's still in ministry. He hasn't uh, he hasn't stopped. Um, he's in a different position, thankfully. Um, but as we as we think of Ethan's story, I want us to, if you have your Bible app on your phone, or if you have a copy of the scriptures with you, um, if you could pull up or turn to John chapter 21. Uh, we're going to be in verses 15, kind of through uh, 23-ish. We'll see how far we feel like going. Um, so starting at verse 15, uh, really kind of around 22 or 23 is where we'll stop. Uh, so if you want to pull that up, this is, uh, it's my favorite story in Scripture. Um, and it's the story of uh, of Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus, who... Um, was probably the most confident, brash uh, follower of Jesus. Kind of in Jesus, he was in Christ's inner circle um, of the twelve. He was like of the three that were really beloved. Um, Peter is is seen all through Scripture as a guy who uh, who has fierce devotion to the Lord. Um, and leading up to chapter twenty one is, uh, if you know, if you know the the Christian story, or if this is your first time. Uh, Peter, who uh, was a disciple of Jesus, he was in the garden when Jesus was being arrested. Peter took a sword out, and cut a guy's ear off. Um, he was very much a like kind of ready fire aim, just kind of a spitball of a guy. Um, and there was a, a point in uh, his journey with Jesus that he is telling Jesus, Jesus, you can't die. Jesus is telling Peter and the other disciples what's going to happen to him. And, and Peter's like, no, they're not going to kill you. I'm not going to let that happen. Everybody else could betray you. I'll never turn my back on you. Um, and if, if you know the story, uh, you know that he does. Uh, Peter is in John chapter 17, a couple chapters before this. Um, he is uh, in, a, in a crowd, and the crowd kind of recognizes him. And they say, hey, aren't you, like, aren't you with Jesus? And he says, no, I don't know who that is. Um, another crowd recognizes him, kind of the same thing. And then uh, the last time he's around a fire, John tells us in John 17, it's a charcoal fire. um, And Peter is backed down by a 14-year-old girl. Um, It's a girl who's the cousin of the guy whose ear got chopped off. And she is like, you know, she's an eighth grader. She says, you're the guy that's with Jesus. And Peter's like, stop, I'm not him. Then the rooster crows and he remembers Jesus telling him, you're going to deny me three times. The rooster's going to crow Peter hears the rooster's crow, and Peter is undone. Uh, Peter goes into hiding. Um, and in, jo- in John 21, we see um, it's the first time that Peter and Jesus come face to face, just the two of them. Uh, he appears to the disciples in the upper room. He appears to them as a group. but uh, This is the first time he appears uh, and does business with Peter. And so let's, uh, I'll start reading 15, and then I'll, I'll stop at some point. Uh, hear the word of the Lord here. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Uh, to set this up, what Jesus has done is the disciples are fishing. They've gone back to their old job. Fishing was a noble job. It wasn't, it wasn't like they were crazy and didn't think of anything else to do. It was just how they made their living. And so they go back to fishing, and uh, Jesus approaches them. He's on the shore. They don't realize it's him. Um, but Jesus says to them, hey, uh, cast your nets on the other side of the boat because you haven't caught any fish. Uh, And when they do, John tells us they caught 153 fish. And at that moment, Peter realizes this is Jesus. And so Peter swims, if you've ever seen Forrest Gump, it's like he jumps in the water and goes to Lieutenant Dan on the pier. He just swims to the shore to find Jesus standing there and Jesus has cooked a meal. He's cooked breakfast. And then uh, they've, eaten, they've eaten some of the fish that they caught. Uh, and then this is where the conversation gets tense. You can imagine the weirdness and the awkwardness of what's about to happen here. When Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Remember, Peter hasn't talked to Jesus about what happened yet. Here's what he says. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him for the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. This is Peter. He's still in his brashness right here, right? He's still in his... Uh, Confidence Peter's not quite repentant yet of what he's done. Um, He's still very much propping himself up. And so if you could, for the next couple minutes, gather the folks that are sort of around you. Hopefully, if you know each other, say hey if you don't, introduce yourself. Uh, But gather, you know, four or five, three, four, five uh, folks together. And I want you to discuss this question together. It's going to be a little awkward for you. Because you're going to have to brag on yourself, and you don't want to do that. Discuss this question. In what ways have you experienced victory, and what are you proud of, kind of in your own life? Where have you seen wins in your job, in your social life, um, just kind of in your own life? Um, And what are you proud of? Wins, what are you proud of? Take a few seconds, gather the folks around you, make sure you introduce yourselves. Discuss that question. All right, all right. Let's bring it back together. Let's bring it back together. It's a uh, it's a joy to see all the all the conversations happening, all the laughing, and all that. It's so fun. Um, we we do that exercise one. It's a hard thing to talk about um, because we so we're so ingrained with shame um, and with not wanting the person to know who we really are, uh, that uh, it can be hard to talk about our victories. Um, Peter didn't have this problem. Um, Peter, Peter knew very well uh, who he was. He was the one whom Jesus looked at and said, on this rock, I will build my church. Um, Peter knew that he was special. He knew that he had something to offer the kingdom of God. And then he, um, he falls into his sin and into his denial um, and in John 21, if you still have that, if we look up at verse uh, verse 7, um, John says this. He always, talk, he always calls himself this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's what John always, he never referred to himself as me. He always just said that. Um, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. Therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord who is on the bank calling us there. Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he was stripped for his work and he threw himself into the sea. Then the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far off from the land, but about 100 yards off. And when they got on the land, they saw a ch- charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and some bread. Why? Anyone can answer this. It's this not rhetorical. Why does John mention that there's a charcoal fire there in verse 9? Say again. Yeah. Good job, Dan. Charcoal fires, let me mention one other time in the book of John, and it's where Peter stood when he denied Christ for the last time. You've been around a fire, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully you know how to stay warm. You've been around a fire. You know that fires have smells, right? Um, my wife likes to camp, which is my least favorite thing about her. Um, <laughs> And she, but she like loves the smell of a fire. And she's like, I love the sound that it makes. I love the smell it makes. It takes me back to being uh, in Oregon with my dad and my grandparents and like us going on weekend camping trips. Uh, There's something about a fire that kind of engages all of your senses. And Jesus here is going to work on Peter. Peter has blown it. Peter is hiding and Jesus is pulling him out. Jesus is saying to him, uh, without even saying any words, I'm going to build this fire. John's like, hey, it's a charcoal fire. This would have meant Peter would have done exactly what happened. It would have drawn him back to the last time he was there, drawn him back to his biggest moment of shame. Um, his biggest failure is selling out his best friend like he did. Uh, but here's Jesus who is drawing him into his shame. Um, this is why Jesus is terrible sometimes. Um, because Jesus makes us face things that we don't want to face. Um and how this relates to the imposter syndrome is that there is a you that you don't want people to know about. There is a you that fears um if I'm found out, if uh if they only knew who I really was, no one would, would want to be with me, God would run away from me. Um Jesus is coming after that. Um, what Jesus is showing Peter here is I'm not coming after the Peter the Great. I'm coming after Peter the weak. I'm not coming after Peter the Great, who's the, the rock that I build my church on. I'm not coming after Peter the Great, who uh, saw miracles and who did miracles um, and who walked with me. I'm going after the guy who has denied me because he needs me. Um, It's going to be awkward for you, but I want you to do it anyway. Uh, In your same little groups. Uh, We're not going to go that deep. I'm not crazy. Um, But I do want you to talk with one another um, to the level that you feel comfortable. Um, What do you do when you blow it? Uh, When you feel like you've blown it? Peter's thing was, I'm just going to avoid this, right? Um, My thing is I like Doritos. Um, Like, where do you go to when you feel like it's all falling apart? Uh, share that with one another for the next three minutes. I'll make this one short. Great. Let's, uh, let's bring it back together. <laughs> Lots of laughter. Enjoyed that. Uh, real quick, if, uh, if you're comfortable, um, what were some of the things said in your group about how you cope? Funny or serious. Preferably funny. Yeah. Calling parents. That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) Weirdos. What else we got? (laughs) That is not a cheery show either. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Tiger King. That's great. Uh, binging, man, that's a huge one. Food, huge one. Drinking, for sure. Calling your parents. If you're weird, I guess you do that. <laughs> Dude, my wife calls her mom all the time. Her mom lives 10 minutes away from us. I'm like, why are you calling her so much? She lives right there. Just go to her house. Um, John, uh, John wants us to know, uh, he's kind of giving us uh, a little bit of like the rise and fall of Peter. Um, but he uh, Jesus who has been doing this heart surgery on Peter around this fire um, is about to bring him back Uh, what Peter has done uh, although it was heinous for sure um, was not unforgivable um, because there's no such thing Um, and what John wants us to see is however bad you've blown it There's hope. There's redemption. There is um, a Jesus who walks into your shame, like he does with Peter here, and he doesn't walk into your shame with like a mallet, like Donkey Kong. He walks into your shame and he says, I'm going to cook you some breakfast and we're going to talk about this. That's the kind of Jesus that we want you to see. That's the kind of Jesus that John is showing us is um, in your worst moment, beyond Ozark, beyond calling your parents, um, in the you that you would never in a million years share in a group like this, Jesus looks at that you and says, That's the one I'm coming after. That's the one I want. Because that's who you are, right? And so Jesus, uh, as he is showing us through Peter's restoration, Peter denies Jesus three times. Uh, This is a big deal because in the ancient world, uh, in the ancient languages, um, they didn't use like exclamation points. They didn't use hashtags. Um, They had to, in order to emphasize something, they would say it a lot. Um, This is why the Psalms, if you read Psalms, often repeat themselves, called parallelism. Um, and if, if you really wanted to know something, or if you really wanted to get a point across in Hebrew, you said it three times. Uh, this is why in Isaiah, if you know this story um, in Isaiah, when he has a vision of heaven, the angels are flying around and they're saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. We sing that song a lot. Um, God isn't just holy, he's thrice holy. He's holy, 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 meaning he's like a hell of a lot of holy. Like, he is so holy, we don't even have a category for it. And here's Peter, who three times has turned down Jesus. This doesn't mean he just denied him. He denied him. It was as if Jesus were already dead to Peter. That's how serious this was. I don't want anything to do with it. And so Jesus comes back, and he asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter's like, you know I love you. He asks him again, Peter, do you love me? Of course. He asked him a third time, Peter, do you love me? This isn't Jesus getting on his nerves. It might have been that. Jesus does that. But this is Jesus saying, you've fallen completely. I'm restoring you completely. I'm not just restoring you. I'm restoring you. I'm not just asking you three times because I want to hear you say how bad you are. I'm asking you three times because I want you to see how complete my restoration is of you. This is the Jesus that we serve, who has looked at us and said, I see all the shit that you don't want anybody else to see, and I want you to know that it's not the truest thing about you. That if you're connected to me, if you love me, um, if your life is in submission and surrender to me, even when it isn't, I still want you. That's who I want. So he's going to go after you, and this is what's obnoxious about Jesus, is that he doesn't leave you alone. If you're connected to Jesus, you are free from his wrath. You're free from the wrath of God. There's not an ounce reserved for you anywhere in the cosmos. You can't find it. It's gone. God says this in scripture all the time. Your sins are moved from you as far as the east is from the west, and I'll remember them no more. Your sins have gone down into the pit where they've been burned up. I'll remember them no more. This is the beauty of forgiveness, And the hard part about forgiveness is while we're free from his wrath, we're never free from his love. And his love goes after you. This is Psalm 23 at the end. Um, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Uh, It's a weak translation in English. What David is saying there is that surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Martin Luther calls Jesus the great hound of heaven. Jesus sniffs you out like a bloodhound, and he comes after you because he loves you. And it's uncomfortable, and it's weird, and you don't want it, and you'll deny him, and he still comes after you. And you tell him to leave you alone, and he still comes after you. This is the beauty of what we want to do as, um, as a group of probably the most, I'll, I'll say the most important demographic that we have in our church and certainly in our city. Um, is that if we can get a group of folks like this, like y'all, mobilized and believing this, then there's nothing. um, We'll need a bigger building. We'll need five buildings. Because that is what the city wants to hear. They want to hear that there's a Jesus who loves them this way. That when you're at work, and you're going to go there tomorrow, and you're going to do the same old crap, and everybody else is going to do the same old crap, right? Right? Um, there's going to be hiding and all that kind of stuff. I'm not telling you, I don't think you need to go be vulnerable with a coworker, unless you want to, but have some wisdom there. (laughs) Don't be crazy. Uh, Don't get kidnapped. Um, But to look at the city and say, what if there was a place where uh, the truest us, the ones that we're trying to hide, can actually be accepted? Um, And not accepted like, hey, come on in, buddy. Accepted in that you are known fully and you're loved fully. And that the Jesus who loves you as you are, like never wants to keep you as you are. Um, And so one last kind of group discussion that I want you to have, again you'll have to be vulnerable with one another, Um, is how would your life look differently if you believed that the you that you're trying to hide is the you that Jesus is coming after? How would your life look differently if you believe that um, and if you, uh, if you really believe that that's the you that he's coming to save? Um, break up in for three minutes. Four, we'll do four minutes this time. Um, and kind of discuss that. How would your life look a little differently? You might call your mom less. All right. We can, uh, we can bring them back together one last time. Well, I hope that uh, in, your, in your little groups there, you, you heard uh, what folks would love their life to look like. Um, and I hope that you'll pray for one another. Um, as you hear those things, I won't make you share them out loud. Um, but there's one last thing that Peter does here. Uh, so he's been restored. He's been told. Um, he's back in the fold. Um, and Jesus, uh, as he restores Peter, then gives him a job. He sends him out. Um, he gives him a mission he commissions him This is a word we use a lot around here um, in the in the latter part of John 21 Jesus tells him one last time to feed a sheep and then he tells him that he's going to die and then he tells him follow me that's great hey thanks you're back Peter now you're going to die so come follow me um, and Peter can't help but get one last jab in. Right? This is Peter. He's already messing up. Peter says this in uh, in verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So Peter, and John is close enough at least to hear this conversation. And Peter looks back at John, and this is in verse um, 21. After he is told that he's going to die, Peter looks at John, or he looks at Jesus rather, and says, "Lord, what about him?" What about John? (laughs) Why do I have to die? What about John? Is he going to die too? Um, And Jesus says to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. This is another moment where it's like, okay, Peter, you just got back into his good graces. What are you doing? Um, It's a reminder again that as great as tonight may have been for you, there is a world waiting out there that's waiting to crush you. Um, and it's only by looking to Jesus who says it's gonna be really hard. Christianity's hard. Y'all know this. Um, I was pitched when I was like in high school that it was like super easy. It's like it's the best thing you'll ever do. I'm like, it might be, but it sucks. Um, you know, you've lived long enough, your idols have let you down too many times to know that following Jesus is very difficult. Uh, which is why we want to give a group like this to you. This is why we want you to join a small group if you're not in one, in a Midtown group. If you need information on how to do that, come find me. Uh, we'd love to get you plugged in. We've got a few more spots. Um, so if you are like, man, I just need somebody to talk to you. They're intergenerational, which is really fun. Um, you have old folks. Uh, you have folks younger than you, folks older than you. Um, and we want to really give the church to you uh, and say that this is actually how it's worked out. Um, And we want to also offer the Young Professional Ministry to you. Um, We'll do another uh, Embers Hangout, I think, at the end of this month. I think that's going to be on April 24th. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Actually, do quote me on that. I'm in charge. April 24th is what we'll do. Um, After the five we did this last month, uh, it was great. Uh, I'm going to talk to them about trying to reserve a spot over there. Um, But um, we want to offer... Uh, uh, after the 5 p.m. service once a month, we call it Supper Club, where everybody just goes and goes to the bar, gets some food, gets some drinks, and just hangs out. No agenda, no teaching like this. um, No agenda other than uh, just getting to know one another uh, and finding and connecting with folks who uh, are of like faith and like-minded with you. Um, And so do keep that in mind. That's something you're interested in. Again, all that is gonna be in our GroupMe group. It's also gonna be uh, in in, uh, email communication and also Uh, social media communication. Um, And so before we close, one last thing. Um, If you are interested in the pickleball sensation that's sweeping the country, um, we had a very, very important meeting, okay, about getting some pickleball happening here. And uh, we just need to know the level of interest. Um, It's stupid, (laughs) It's a stupid game, but it's so fun, and it doesn't require you to be, like, necessarily good at it. Nobody's good at that pickleball. If they are, they're a little weird. But (laughs) pickleball is, it's like in between ping pong and tennis. It's like life-size ping pong, which is also tennis. It's really hard to explain. (laughs) Uh, As you can see, Google it. It's 2022, okay? Okay. But it is, um, it's a great little game. It's, you know, you can do it with twos or fours, um, but it's a blast. Um, We're just trying to gauge interest in uh, before we go in like reserve courts and things like that. Um, And also if we need to buy some equipment and things like that. Like I don't imagine you all have paddles laying around. Um, So I can get some paddles, you can get your own paddle. Uh, But we really want this to happen. It's very important to Caroline that it happens. Um, Just kidding. Uh, But I'll have like just a little interest, like a little just sign name on this sheet up here uh, if that's something you want to get in on. Um, And lastly, as always, I think there's some food left over. Bless your roommates with those sandwiches or keep them for yourself. Um, But I don't want to leave any here. So take as many as you want. Uh, I don't know if there's any beer left. Just don't drink it on the way home, but you can take some. Um, And then there's snacks and things like that. We'll shut this down at like 840. And so that gives us like 30 minutes to mingle. You can leave if you want, if you don't want to talk to anybody, that's fine. Uh, find me for Pickleball, small groups. If you want on our email list, can find me. Uh, food back there, and we'll start tearing down here in a minute. And then uh, y'all can head out. Thanks, y'all.